ago on NBC's Tonight Show, Johnny Carson read an item from the, uh, the, the lost and found column of a Midwestern newspaper, and this is what he read. It said, lost dog, brown fur, some missing due to mange, blind in one eye, deaf, lame leg due to recent traffic accident, slightly arthritic. Goes by the name of Lucky. Johnny and Ed McMahon had a lot of, uh, uh, found, found that to be rather funny, that, uh, that, that the amount of luck that this dog had experienced in his life, that he had all of those uh, things not going for him. But, but it begs the question, do you believe in luck? Or maybe you have su- certain superstitions that you uh, um, uh, believe either help or, or hurt your success in life. Maybe you have a favorite shirt that uh, you always wear for the big game, or uh, that you never wash, heaven forbid. Or uh, maybe there's certain rituals or routines that you go, go through that you might think help. I, I remember in college one year, we were kind of on a losing streak on our soccer team, and, and uh, we agreed that nobody was going to shave until we won. Some of us got pretty itchy, and we went ahead and shaved long before we won because it was not a pleasant season that year. But uh, so it didn't. Our little superstitious thing didn't uh, didn't really work. Over the centuries, uh, people have carried good luck charms. I remember buying a. Uh, we were on a camping trip. I don't know. I was probably ten years old. Whatever. And in the gift shop at a at the the camp store, I guess they had they had a Lucky Rabbit's foot keychain, right? And so I thought that was really cool until I realized that I was carrying a dead animal's paw in my pocket and figured out how weird. And uh, anyway, I decided maybe that wasn't uh, any. Uh, Certain things have, uh, throughout the years in certain cultures, uh, have, have been said to bring luck, right? Uh, certain animals are supposed to be lucky in different, different cultures. Turtles or dolphins or frogs or pigs or elephants or crickets are, uh, are, are said to be lucky. The number seven is lucky. Horseshoes are lucky. Uh, certain coins are lucky. A cat's eye marble, a four-leaf clover, right? Of course, many things are considered unlucky. Right? Uh, don't break a mirror or walk under a ladder or step on a crack. Problems all over the place, right? Uh, you better knock on wood, right? Or toss a pinch of salt over your shoulder. The number 13 is unlucky so much that, that uh, uh, many high-rise buildings across the world, they don't have, they actually number, they skip 13 when they're numbering the floors, right? Because it's an unlucky number. Now, I'm pretty sure... I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you buy into all this. I'm pretty sure that you know deep down that things, uh, these, these lucky things don't really have an influence on, on how your life turns out. You most likely don't build your life around those superstitious practices uh, and, the, and, and you're, you're counting on luck to come through for you. I, maybe you still wear your lucky shirt, but somewhere in there you know that it's probably not really connected to whether they win or lose, right? But today, as, as we continue this, uh, this series, uh, this, this summer mixtape series, we're going to be opening the songbook, the psalm book, uh, to Psalm 27. Uh, it's, a, it's another psalm of David, and it declares that, uh, uh, David is declaring there that his faith is, is not in superstition or luck. Uh, it's not in his own strength or, or his abilities or intellect, but unequivocally, uh, David draws his strength. He, he puts his faith in his Lord. 
the Lord is the foundation of David's life, and nothing or no one else takes his place. So let's read uh, Psalm 27 together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I mean, what a great psalm, right? I mean, uh, there are several sections in there that you've probably heard before uh, that uh, maybe you have on a mug or a t-shirt or, or hanging on your wall somewhere, right? It, it's, it's that good of a, of a psalm. You might even have some of those things uh, uh, memorized. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I mean, we, there are songs direct, taking these words directly uh, from, from this psalm that we sing and have, the church has sung for a long, long time. Now, now, now with all the other psalms, we, we don't know the tune here. This was written uh, 3,000 years ago, okay? So, so we don't know the tune. Uh, we don't know if this was more of a country western song, or maybe, maybe it was a folk song or disco. I'm, I think I'm on good theological ground that it was not hip-hop. I don't think that there's anything in scripture that, I mean, it, I'm just kidding. That's, but no matter what the tune was, I, I just don't get the vibe that this was a somber, quiet song. I think they, they jumped in, the, the cymbals are cra- crashing, the horns are blowing, the, uh, the, 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 I mean, they probably used all of this and more, right, Chick? They were, they were jumping in uh, uh, full bore. Uh, David is boldly declaring his praise to the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my, he's jumping in and, and, and he's declaring who God is and how that makes a difference. First of all, David said that the Lord was his light. The Lord is my light. As you know, light is vitally important to life. It's important to have light to see. Uh, we would have difficulty getting around. We'd be bumping into things. There wouldn't be color. Uh, we, life would be dreary and awful without light. In, in some of the uh, uh, extreme northern and southern parts of the globe, uh, people go for several months each year without seeing the sun. Then several months when when it only uh, you know gets over the horizon for a couple hours and I mean I can't imagine living in a place like that. 
Even where we live, many people uh, suffer with uh, seasonal affective disorder uh, uh, throughout the winter months when, when uh, depression is, is uh, brought on by a lack of, of sunlight. I mean, there's, there, and even then, there's still some light. It's not pitch black, but just think if there was no light. Nothing could live. Organic things need to have light to live. And that's why the first thing God created, clear back at the beginning, the first thing he created was light. There was light even before there was a sun, moon, and stars, Scripture says, which, which is a little, little weird for us to grasp. The Apostle John, actually several places in Scripture, tell us kind of how that was possible. First John chapter 1, verse 5 says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. In Revelation 22.5, uh, John again wrote that there won't be any night in heaven because God will be our light and he never goes out, right? So he is, he is light. Jesus even described himself um, as light. John 8.12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. God is light. Before light bulbs or candles or even the sun itself, God has been providing light and life. And David proclaims here in this psalm that, that, that the Lord wasn't just a light. God was his light. I, we, we see that a lot. Last week we, we emphasized that, that, that uh, David made the Lord his Lord, right? Uh, and and the, the, the same is true here. It's not just the Lord is a light for the world in general. The Lord is my light, he says. The Lord was the one giving life and color and direction to David's world. The Lord is my light. As we read this, before we go any further, the first part of the first sentence, we have to ask ourselves reflectively, is the Lord my light? And is he the one that bringing color and, and life and direction to my world? The Lord was David's Light. He also says that in the same breath, the, the Lord was his salvation, right? The Lord is, was David's salvation. And, and David needed saving uh, quite a few times, actually. We, we don't know when David wrote this during his, his life, uh, but the Lord saved him countless times, whether it was from wild animals as he tended sheep, or from crazy King Saul who was trying to hunt him down, or from uh, armies that were coming against him to attack, or even from a Philistine giant named Goliath who mocked him and tried to kill him. The Lord even saved David from himself when he sinned and extended forgiveness. The word for salvation here, means deliverance and rescue, or uh, safety and prosperity, or even victory. Uh, David was proclaiming that, that, that God could be trusted even when things were tough. He, he was not crediting his own skill and craftiness to get out of difficult situations. He wasn't uh, hoping that luck would be on his side as he carried his lucky rabbit's foot into battle. Uh, he, he wasn't just, just uh, hoping the Lord was his salvation. The Lord was the one he was counting on to save him. As we come to this text, a few thousand years later, and we're, we're looking back onto it, we're reading it through the filter of Jesus, right? And, and the cross and the salvation that he provides uh, through his death and resurrection. We know not only does the Lord save us from the difficulties in life as, as he did in David's world, uh, but he also is the answer for the life to come, saving us from our own sins and, uh, and, and preparing us for eternity. The Lord is my light and my salvation, David proclaimed. 
Is he your salvation? Again, in the same, in the same breath, maybe a couple measures later, right, as, as he continues his first verse, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. David's proclaiming that God was his stronghold. Then the next couple of verses talk about enemies and, and, uh, and uh, problems with the enemies coming at them and all that stuff. And, and probably verses 2 and 3 uh, uh, in, in our world uh, could, could be and should be taken figuratively. Although there were times in David's life, as I just uh, uh, alluded to, where actual wicked attackers uh, uh, came after him and armies besieged him. And, and God was protecting David time and time again, whether in a cave in the mountains or in the fortified cities or, or, or through his army's strength. David was convinced that it wasn't those physical defenses or his own uh, uh, courage and, and his, own, uh, his own prowess as a, as a warrior that protected him, but it was the Lord himself who was his stronghold. And, and so as we read this and as we bring this to our lives, whether we're facing literal wicked armies or, or just the effects of wickedness in our world, we can have the same confidence that David had that God is our stronghold. So David starts off this song, I think, with some cymbals crashing and some trumpets blaring, uh, a pretty peppy tune, if, uh, if we're being honest, boldly declaring, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. My life is hidden in the stronghold of God himself, so I don't have to be afraid. My life is built on the Lord and not on anyone or anything else, and so I can be confident. Now, now that theme is reiterated throughout Scripture. Uh, many times in Scripture, it tells us to, to not fear, to not be afraid, to not worry, right? And, uh, and, and uh, I jump to Romans chapter 8, where maybe uh, most notably, the this, this same sentiment is, is proclaimed at the end of, of, of that chapter in Romans 8, uh, beginning in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? All these things that could come again, is that going to separate us from, from God's love? Paul says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen. Why? Because God is our light and he is our salvation. He is our stronghold. We are more than conquerors. David thought that was something to sing about. I guess we did too because we sang about it already. Uh, Many songs already today with those same themes. The God is the one that we can build our lives. We're not just hoping that life turns out okay. that That I get what I want when I want it. I'm resting in the stronghold of God. He is my light. He's the one that saves. And I'm trusting him. I'm confident in him. Much of the rest of the psalm reiterates or simply lays down uh, uh, some of the things that spring out of that foundation that, that, that David starts out with. God is his light and his salvation, his stronghold. So these things are true in, uh, in his life. Uh, 
he, he responded in his life because God was his light and his salvation, his stronghold. And one thing that he did that we see reiterated in this psalm was that he sought after God. Uh, David, uh, one thing that David did was to seek God. The word seek is used four times in a rather short span here in, in the psalm. Two times in verse four and, and two more times in verse eight. Uh, in verse four, David is saying that he wants to do one thing. This one thing I do. And then it appears that he proceeds to do several things. Uh, but, but ultimately, what he's describing is the one thing that he wants to do is to seek after the Lord, to spend time in his presence for the rest of his life. In verse 8, uh, David kind of has a little conversation with himself. I'm sure you don't ever talk to yourself, right? Um, so uh, David, you know, was, uh, was, he had a lot of time on his hands, hiding from Saul and doing all the things. It says, uh, my heart says, seek his face. So, guess I'm going to do that. Uh, I will seek your face, he says. This, this seeking, this, this, this word to seek is not just a, a little looking around and, and then kind of moving on. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for something. But I, you guys, most of you aren't here on Thursday nights when we have youth group. One, uh, one favorite thing that the, the teens like to do is we're, we usually play some kind of game or two as, as we meet together. And one thing they like to do is play hide and seek. Um, every once in a while I'm it. And usually when I'm it and we're playing hide and seek, I'll walk around for a few minutes and I'll check the obvious hiding spots. Maybe somebody's in the sound booth back there. That's a pretty easy one. Uh, maybe under the desk in the office. That's a pretty easy one. Uh, I found somebody in the trash can once, Peyton. Um, but, um, uh, if I can't find them pretty quickly, Usually I'll do something like, all right, guys, you win. That's good. And I can just kind of give up. I mean, it could take a long time. And we do, you know, we are probably supposed to have a lesson of some type and learn something, not just play hide and seek. So, so I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm really doing a lot of seeking and play and hide and seek. This seeking here in Psalm 27 is so much more than that. I am, I, I, I certainly, uh, that uh, when I'm describing what I do playing hide and seek, it's completely different from what David is talking about when he seeks after God. It, it, he's talking about a pursuit with a deep desire to know and to understand. Uh, maybe the word investigate could be, could be included there or inspect. Uh, the, I, I want to investigate the Lord. I want to inspect. I want to find out. I want to know. Uh, David says that he wants to, quote, gaze on the beauty of the Lord. It's a, it's a long-term, deep, intimate thing. He's seeking God's face. I mean, there's something so intimate about being face-to-face with someone. We don't do that very often where we're, we're close and, and looking face-to-face, looking into someone's eyes. He even says that he's looking at God's beauty. There's a, there's a deep love and longing that just oozes out of this psalm. As we read through this, we just see that, that, that David is seeking intimacy. It's, it's not just a religious transaction. This is a heartfelt relationship. And, and there are emotions involved here. He, he says, he says, my heart says, seek his faith. That's, that's where they, they, they talk, the, the seat of the emotions. And, and, uh, and so he says that his heart, his, he, he feels drawn toward that. Now, now in, in religion, emotions, emotions have a reputation of taking people places that maybe we shouldn't always go, right? But it, it's easy to get carried away in emotions. 
Uh, it's easy, many times, uh, uh, folks can manipulate our emotions, right? And, 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 and take us to places by, by uh, manipulating our emotional side of things. And, and I agree that we should not lead with emotions in our relationship with God. David doesn't lead with emotions. He leads with the facts, right? Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He's declaring fact. This is who God is. Now, because of that, oh, <laughs> I'm drawn to him. I want to know him. I, I, I want to get to know him more and more. Uh, emotions push him to seek him, to, 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 to know him, to, to, to love him more and more. In essence, because God is providing all that David needs, God is all he Because God is providing for his every need. God is all that David wants. He seeks after him. But not only does he seek after him, we see in this psalm as it continues, uh, there toward the end, he says that he's going to wait for God. Because the Lord was David's light and salvation and stronghold, David thought he was worth waiting for. He wraps up this this song in, in verse 14 with this instruction to wait. You get the impression he was waiting, he had waited, he had done the hard work of waiting, and so now he's instructing others in the song as they kind of wrap up this whole deal to, uh, to, to, to wait. And it's actually a little uh, Hebrew poetic segment that, uh, that, that they call a tricolon, where it's three lines of, of parallel thoughts of equal length, and they all kind of say the same thing and build off each other, and it's this, this three-line deal. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, Wait for the Lord. This, this little Hebrew poetic thing, and if you, you uh, uh, are, are into that and, and want to spend hours looking at Hebrew poetry, you'll see this uh, a, a lot of places in, uh, in ancient Hebrew poetry. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. I have I've not been shy about admitting over the years my disdain for waiting I think I'm a whole lot more patient than I uh, ever was, and that is all a credit to uh, the Holy Spirit working in my life because lines and crowds and traffic are not my favorite things. Can I get an ape? No, we don't want to. Something else, technology that glitches up when it's supposed to work and help me, that frustrates me a lot, and I get, I get, uh, I don't want to wait on that either. I don't think that I'm alone in that because waiting is hard uh, and, and we see that throughout scripture and, and, and especially, I don't know, even waiting, maybe especially waiting on God is hard because God, you need to come through and um, you know, yesterday would have probably been the best time for you to do that but, but you didn't so maybe today and if it's not today, it's got to be tomorrow because next week is way too late. I, I, oh. Now, the word wait here, again, we have to dig into this a little bit. It doesn't just mean standing at the bus stop or in line at the BMV. It's not just this kind of passive waiting around for, the, for what, you know, whatever's coming. The Hebrew word that David uses here uh, actually means to hope in or to hope for. It means to look forward to something in confidence, that something good is on the way. Maybe it's like the way your kids look forward to hearing the music of the ice cream truck going through the neighborhood. Or maybe it's like the weeks between when you book all the details for your vacation and when you actually get to leave. 
Or, or maybe it's like the, the, the couple weeks leading up to your birthday or to your anniversary or, or to your wedding or the big game or whatever you're looking forward to. This waiting isn't just a passive waiting, it's, it's anticipation. I, I, it, it, I think we could read it that way. And I think it changes our whole perspective. It's not just wait for the Lord because it's going to be a long time. It's, it's anticipate the Lord. Be strong and take heart and anticipate the Lord. Uh, that changes everything. It's going to be okay, even though right now it kind of stinks. Why? Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's the stronghold of my life. So I can be strong and take heart and look forward to him making all things right in his time. Anticipate the Lord. He's working. I don't understand it. I thought he should have come through for me last week, and he didn't. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm going to be strong and take heart, knowing that he is my light and my salvation and my stronghold, and my whole life is built on him. I'm not just hoping, built on him. And he's going to work out the circumstances and situations exactly as it needs to in his time. Samuel Logan Bringle was a commissioner for the Salvation Army in the early 1900s. In addition to his faithful service in ministry, Bringle is known for writing three little books that have uh, influenced many people over the years. Uh, They're called uh, Heart Talks on Holiness, The Way of Holiness, and When the Holy Ghost is Come. Uh, when I first heard about those, I ordered all three on my Kindle. And they, I mean, it's, it's not like a long, they're not like long books. They're not like pamphlets. It's just kind of like a, maybe you'd call it a booklet. I don't know. But so kind of short. Uh, but uh, most, most people that have read those books and, and they're pretty well known in the holiness tradition of, uh, of, uh, of church and religion over the years. But, but uh, most folks that have read those maybe don't know the history behind how, how they came about. Uh, Samuel Bringle was, uh, was a great preacher for the Salvation Army. One night he was, he was uh, preaching, leading a service, and uh, there was a, a, a man who was drunk that came into the service and interrupted, and, and Brengel tried to, uh, you know, uh, uh, just kind of keep him at bay and continue the service, but the man continued to interrupt and continued to cause problems, and, and so finally uh, Brengel had to have the man kicked out of the service. And, uh, and so he continued on with the, with the meeting and, and they, they, uh, they did what they uh, had come to do. And, and then as the meeting was over and everyone filed out, Bringle, uh, as the pastor usually is, he's the last one to leave and he's shutting off the lights and he closed the door and, and locked it and turned around and there that man was. And he greeted Bringle with a cobblestone to the side of his head. And his, uh, the other side of his head smashed into the brick wall and Bringle was, uh, was in the hospital for quite a while, hovering between life and death. When, when he finally began to recover, after, after uh, it, it was a long time before he could step back into the pulpit and resume his other activities, and, and so the editor of the Salvation Army's magazine came to him and, and asked him, you know, you're, you're, you're still recovering, but, uh, but, but, and you can't really be up and about, but, but can you write some articles for us? We'd love to, hear, to continue to hear your, uh, your wisdom and inspiration can you write some articles for the magazine? And so he did that. And then over time, they turned those articles into these three little books, which have profoundly shaped many Christian leaders. They were the fruit of a cobblestone to the side of his head. When, when the Lord is your light and your salvation and your stronghold, you can be confident that God is in control of your life. 
You don't have to fear, even if things look bleak, because God is using your circumstances to accomplish his purposes. So David, in this psalm, paints this whole picture. And again, there's so much here. We could, we could spend a, a, a long time uh, pulling out all of the, the nuggets of truth here. But David encourages us to seek after the Lord, to anticipate his work in our lives, to allow the Lord to be the number one influencing factor in your life. I think that's important. The number one influencing factor. What do you allow to influence you? The Lord is the influencing factor in your life. Not the scary things around you. I don't have to be afraid of of these things. Not the latest news cycle or what's going on in the the country around the world. That doesn't have to be the influencing factor. It's fine to know those things and to pray for those things and not the wisdom of our culture and the, 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 the common wisdom that might be going, oh, we need to do this or that. that. That's not the influencing factor of our lives. Not just doing what feels good. That can't be the influencing factor of our lives. Your life is not just determined by luck, right? Uh, as the psalm says throughout, the Lord will lead you in a straight path, verse 11. He will receive you and not reject you, verse 10. Uh, he will hear and answer, verse 9. He will keep you safe, verse If the Lord is your light, your salvation, and your stronghold, you do not need to be afraid. You can be confident the Lord must be the number one influencing factor in your life. The, The promise is not that you will see all of your desires fulfilled. The promise is not that all difficult things will be moved out of your path. The promise is not health and wealth and happiness. The promise, it's right there, is that you will see the goodness of the Lord in your life, here and now, in the land of the living. You can dwell in his presence all of your days, looking at his face, experiencing his favor. Even as you wait in expectation, you can be certain that he is with you In that waiting, we are encouraged as David sings, I think, at the top of his lungs. Maybe that, maybe uh, it crescendos up and then kind of uh, comes down, and and that that, uh, last verse kind of uh, needs to echo in our minds wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. But why? Because the Lord is our light and our salvation. He is the stronghold of our life, so we don't have to be afraid. Father God, we thank you that you are the one who brings light and life, that you are the one who brings safety and security, that we can be confident in building our lives on you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who has come and provided life and light for us. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for the times when we build our lives on other things, when we trust our future in things that are not you. Lord, I pray that that you will help us to seek your face, that we can celebrate and know you as we seek you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.